Thank you, Kathy. And that just, just uh, impresses upon me that we need to spend time in God's Word because Satan is out there trying to get us to believe lies when God has told us what he thinks of us and he's given us instruction and many people are floundering because they don't go someplace that preaches God's Word or they don't get into God's Word each day. So thank you, Kathy, for that reminder that we need to know what God says what he thinks, how he has saved us by his grace, not by our goodness. Thank you for that. Last Sunday night, we had a business meeting. We, uh, we voted to bring on an associate pastor here at First Baptist, and uh, it will begin a year, a year from uh, June 1st, so in a, another year. But before that year comes... Before we have to pay him, <laughs> that's the real thing, we're going to use him as much as we can. He, we're going to wear him out. He's going to be, he, he teaches a class on Wednesday evening, and he's going to preach for us. He still has to go around and, and, and preach at uh, other churches. Uh, he's uh, on, on a deputation uh, back or furlough from the mission field in South Africa. He's been part of our family. We are like his sending church, and so it's great to have him back here with us. We're going to listen to Lee Peterson. I knew I could not wrap my message up in 25 minutes, so I asked Lee if he would. Well, I pray your heart has already been blessed. Beautiful songs, beautiful singing, and just warmed by what God has already done here this morning. We are excited about what the future has. And uh, 14 years on the mission field and seeing God work, and as that work has now been turned over and is doing very well over there and wondering what God's next step for our lives were, and then God opening this door. And so thank you, thank you for the opportunity to be a part of this ministry and what God is, God is doing here. Let me just once again thank our servicemen, um, you who have served. And if you've ever had the privilege of traveling abroad, you begin to realize how unique the freedoms we have in America are. Uh, when you consider two-thirds of our world, over five billion people, live in an area that they do not have the freedoms we have, and 60% of that 5 billion are living in restricted areas where they cannot come, like what we're doing this morning, and hear a presentation or preaching from the Word of God. And you realize what God has done, and it hasn't been easy. Many men have given their lives, men and women have given their lives for the freedom we have. And this morning, in light really of, as I considered Memorial Day and I considered the battles, really taking it into the spiritual realm and realizing that all of us are in a battle. And so this morning, I'm going to invite you to take your Bibles and open up to Ephesians chapter 6, a very familiar passage. And we're only going to look at three verses this morning. Lest pastor's prediction 
is prophecy becomes true and we go to three or four or five. And then pastor would be the only one here staying because he's an encourager. Everyone else would have left. So Ephesians chapter 6, and I want us to look at verse 10, and we're going to read down to verse 13, and then we're just going to pause for a word of prayer. Here is the capstone, really the ending of what Paul has to say in this amazing book. And he says this, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the schemes of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, verse 13, Take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful for this morning, the beautiful songs that we have sang. Father, even that last song, as we consider our victory that we have in Christ. Father, that victory was not accomplished through our goodness and through our works. The Father was accomplished because of the death and burial and resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, it's in that truth this morning we come to celebrate Him. And it's even as we look at this passage on spiritual warfare, realizing, Father, that the enemy is out there trying to move us, destroy us, Father, our victory is secure because of Christ. So now, Father, this morning as we open up your text, give us eyes to see and ears to hear. And Father, we'll give you the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. It was a number of years ago when we were in Zambia. It was a Sunday morning around 8 o'clock and I was getting ready to go preach in a church called Chapada, which is in a compound, a very poor area. And in the compound, they have uh, huts with thatched roofs. And there was a church started by one of our men in the college. And I was getting ready to preach, and as I was getting ready to go, a knock came at the door. And it was one of the men that we minister with, and he said, Pastor Lee, he said, I would encourage you this morning maybe to take some time and spend some extra time in prayer, because afterwards I'd like you to come to a home with me where there is a lady dealing with all appearances of satanic oppression. So that afternoon, we went over to this lady's house, her and her family, and as we began to talk to her, we found that there was over three grocery bags of charms from the witch doctor. We began to see some things begin to happen there. I was asked if that night I would stay there with her in the evening to pray and to read Scripture because that night is when some of these demonic activities would begin. So that night I stayed there, we prayed, and by God's grace we saw deliverance. 
But once again, that situation impressed upon my mind that we really are in a spiritual warfare. And it's not just when you think of spiritual warfare, it's not just when you think of going over to Africa or Haiti or South America or even India. The spiritual warfare rages in your life and my life on a daily, daily basis. That's why when Paul, when he's beginning to end this letter, he really ends it with this final note, and he says, be strong, in verse 10, this command, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Now, if you know anything about Ephesians, one of the major themes in the book of Ephesians is the power of God. In the first three chapters, he's outlined for us or described for us this power of God that took you and I who were dead in sin and reached down and saved us. And in essence, what Paul is picturing there is in our sinful state, we were dead. We were basically prisoners or inmates on death row. And yet, in his power and in his mercy and grace, he reached down to redeem us, to save us, and just didn't stop there. He now then made us his children. And inheritance is awaiting us. And the power of God was able to do that. But then when you get to the last four chapters, Paul then begins to talk about how do we live out this power in every area of our lives? How do we live out the gospel? And so for the last three chapters, he's been talking about this power of God and what it looks like. And now in his ending marks, the capstone of the book, he says this, be strong, once again coming back to this theme, Be strong and in the power in the Lord and in the power of his might. And the reason we need to be strong, he's going to go on to tell us, is because there are spiritual forces at work who is going to try to destroy the power that God is at work in your lives. And so who are? What I want to do is I want to walk through the text very quickly, and I want to ask a number of questions with the text First of all, the question is, who are these spiritual wars or these enemies? Look down at verse 12 of chapter 6. Paul says this, We do not wrestle, and that is hand-to-hand combat. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Now look at the description. This is probably a hierarchy of angelic beings. But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So dealing with these forces, he says they're dark, they're evil, and other parts of our Bible, they're called demons. And what Paul is getting at, and here's really what he's emphasizing, is that the battle we face is not against another person across enemy lines. It's not the person sitting next to you. But the battle we face is with these celestial beings who have a lot of power and a lot of might, and they have great, 
great intelligence. And folks, here's the reality. What Paul is getting at, these beings are dreadful beings because of their power and because of their intelligence. And what Paul is saying is they've got you in their sights. They've got Lee Peterson in their sights. Because the work that they want to do is ultimately come in and destroy what God is doing. Now, how do they work? All right, I gave you the illustration of what happens in Africa, but really they don't even go that far in America, especially because America is so skeptical. Go back up to verse 11 and let me show you a word. How do they wage warfare? Verse 11 says this, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the, and what's the word there? Wiles or the schemes of the devil. That little word wiles is where we get our English word method. In the Greek, it's methodeos. Our English word method, and it has the idea that it is well-planned or logical or systematic. So Satan comes along, these demons, and they have logical, systematic, well-planned, and subtle attacks in your life. And the picture was used of a cunning animal about ready to attack. I don't know if you've ever had the privilege, besides on TV, of watching an animal about ready to attack. Of course, we live in Africa, and what comes to your mind when you think of Africa? The lions, right? And when you watch a lion move, and the speed of that lion, I remember one time we were driving, and there was this male lion just laying on the road there, and a number of people have stopped, and one person rolled down their window and was taking pictures. I wanted to roll down my windows and say, here, kitty, 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 but I didn't person rolled down their window, and almost immediately that cat was up just like that, so fast. And my whole family was just marveling at the quickness. But you realize that the lion only gets, or when he goes hunting, it's only about 30% effective. Now, there is another group of animals in Africa that are almost 100% effective when they go hunting. That is called, or they are called, the African wild dogs. And the way they hunt, they're very subtle, and they hunt in packs, and almost 100% of the time, they deliver. That's the picture that Paul is given of these demonic forces. They've been fighting humanity for thousands and thousands of years, and they know humanity's weaknesses. They know where to get us. Now, that then leads to the next question. Where do they battle us at? Where do they fight us at? Well, I want you to look at the immediate context in which this falls in. This actually falls back in into chapter 5. Just turn over to chapter 5, familiar verses there. It actually starts in verse 15, but just look at verse 18, where Paul says this, Be not drunk with wine, where is in excess, but be filled with the Spirit, spiritual power, the Holy Spirit. 
speaking to yourselves. Now that word yourselves is in the plural. What Paul is dealing with is he's dealing with the fellowship of believers. And when we come together, we're to encourage each other and speak to each other in terms of worship. Because where is Satan going to battle us? He's going to come and battle you on the turf you live in. He's going to battle you in the church, the fellowship. And you ask the question, how is it that like-minded people who love the Lord can battle with each other and fight with each other? Because Satan is always at work going in between trying to divide. Sometimes this attack is in your face. I'll never forget. When we had just started our church down in South Africa and our church was beginning to grow, we had a, a, a family, uh, actually a husband and wife, who joined our church. And of course, I was so excited because now we got these new people coming. And I would be up there preaching and they'd be sitting all the way in back. And as I was preaching, I would hear this, uh-uh, no way, uh-uh. Now, I know there's people who disagree with me, but usually they don't verbalize that in the message. And they're going, uh-uh, no. Well, I was so ignorant and so optimistic, I thought they were, in essence, agreeing with me. They're going, uh-uh, no, no. And I'm going, amen, keep saying that. I just kept preaching. Finally, someone comes up to me afterwards, and they say, are they disagreeing with you? I said, no, I think, I think they're actually in agreement with me. Well, later on, they come to my door and they knock. And I say, hey, come on in, good to see you. And they said, we would like to sit down with you and teach you some truths about the Bible. I'm thinking 20 years of college and seminary, thank you. And I realized right then that that uh-uh, no, no, was not in agreement with what I was preaching. Come to find out, this group, this, this husband and wife, were going to different people in our churches, meeting with them, handing out literature, and trying to cause division. That Wednesday night, we were in God's providence working through the book of Revelation, and we were dealing with the Ephesians church and dealing with truth, and we brought up this family, this couple that was doing that, and all the people of different groups said, yeah, they've been coming over to our house, coming over to our house, trying to cause division. And I realized, and I told the people right then, God is at work here, and one of the ways that he'll try to destroy the work or Satan will try to destroy the work, is by starting to cause disunity. And he can either do that through doctrine or through personality differences. And I said, we've got to protect ourselves. So he does it in the fellowship. What does it go on to talk about? Just follow your eyes down. Look at verse, well, just go down to verse um, 21. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God, chapter 5. Look at verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves. Look down to verse 25. Husband, love your wife. So where else does Satan attack? He attacks in the marriage, right? I mean, you ever wondered why at times marriage is so difficult? Now, there's other reasons why it's difficult, all right? This is only part of the answer. But you're thinking, like I used to think, when I get married, all of my problems are going to be over. 
I'm marrying Cinderella. She's marrying Prince Charming. And one morning you wake up and you look at her and her hair's like this and you say, darling, will you go and make me breakfast? And she looks at you and says, get it yourself, pal. And you begin to realize that there are conflicts and hurts. And, and if Satan can get the couple from not communicating, not talking, he begins to work and weave. And two people who one time loved each other and made the vows to each other are now at that place because Satan loves to get in. He goes on in chapter 6, children. And you ever wondered why it is you can do you know, children, why they don't turn out the way that you've trained them? I mean, I, I go back and I've read every book. If there's a book on there on child raising, I've read it. We followed all the formulas and we've done everything right. And then at the end of that, your children don't necessarily turn out. And you're going, why is that? Or what about in the workplace? Of course, in this day, it was slaves and, and masters. You go to work, and all of a sudden, you have a boss that doesn't like you. And you understand that Satan works in these personal relationships right where you live. And once again, it's not the full picture because there's other reasons, our own sin and so forth. But you cannot have a complete picture, Paul is saying, unless you understand that there is satanic and demonic warfare. Now, let me then ask this question. Why does Satan attack us? I mean, I look at this and I go, okay, Paul, I can understand why Satan would attack you. But why would, why would he attack someone like Lee Peterson? What do I have to offer? Well, I think the answer to that really comes in this word that is used three times in the text. Did you see what word that was? Go back to chapter 6. Just start in verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to what? Stand against the wiles of the devil. Look at verse 13. Wherefore, take you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, verse 14, stand. Now that little word stand is a military term and it has the idea when the army is storming up the hill, you're holding your position. You're not giving him a foothold to take advantage. Now, Paul has already illustrated and talked about this. Just go back, take your eyes, just turn one page over and go to chapter 4 and look at verse 26. Look at what Paul says here. Paul says, Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Now here's a question. Why do you let not the sun go down upon your anger, your wrath? 
Husbands, wives, why? You ever had that happen where you had maybe a little bit of a disagreement, a conflict, and you put your head down on the pillow, and, and of course, if you're like I am, I'm thinking to myself, why doesn't she come and apologize? She was wrong. Why is she not obeying this verse to come and get this taken care of? No, she's over there sleeping. And I'm awake. Finally, I get to sleep, and the next morning, what's happening? Anger has grown, right? And it continually grows until bitterness takes seed, bitterness takes form, hatred takes form, and then everything that person does... You think it's an attack. And so Paul says, get it taken care of. But then he says in verse 27, neither give what? Foothold, place to the devil. Because what happens in this illustration when you let anger, and it could be any sin, when you let anger come in and Satan gets a foothold, he begins to take advantage and he can give suggestions or darts in your mind. And he begins to have power over you. And so Paul says you need to take this, care, take this taken care of. Now, once again, I go back to that and say, okay, God, you don't want Satan to get a foothold or a place in my life. But what's another reason? And just follow the logic of this. When Satan gets a foothold into your life, what does that do for the cause of Christ and the gospel? In essence, remember, Satan hates you, but he hates someone so much more. He hates Christ. He hates the triune God. And he hates the gospel. And if he can dampen down and get a foothold into your life, what does that do for the cause of Christ? You have no peace. You have no love, joy, or fruit of the Spirit. And he begins to quench the gospel message in your life. And folks, that's why it's so important. When we're dealing with these conflicts and these relationships that Satan wants to get in, it's not about you and it's not just about me. It's ultimately about the gospel. That's why you don't let Satan get a foothold. And so Paul comes, says, don't let these evil forces get a foothold. Don't let them destroy you. You need to stand. Now, how then do we stand? Well, the answer to that, again, goes back to verse 10, where Paul says this, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Now, folks, just to put simply, what is the armor that he goes on to describe? Simply put, it's putting the gospel, living out the gospel in your lives. Paul says it a different way in the book of Romans, where he says, put you on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provisions for the flesh. We in ourselves do not have the resources 
to fight against these evil celestial beings. Our strength can only be found in Christ and in the gospel. He's the one that has to empower and equip us. And the equipping he gives us is himself. Because when Jesus Christ died on the cross, when he rose again, he conquered Satan. And the only way that you and I, who are mere human flesh and blood, can conquer the demonic forces that are at war is by coming to Him. He's the one who has to empower. He's the one that has to equip. So folks, let me just end with this, all right? How do you find that strength and that power? Just take your eyes all the way down and look at verse 18. And what's the first word there? Praying. That little word praying grammatically covers everything that Paul has been saying. If you're going to find the power of God, you've got to continually be running to Him. Maybe you're here this morning and you're saying, you know, Lee, I've been wrestling and I've been failing and I think part of that answer could be is that I'm still lost in my sin. Christ himself is the one who defeated him and you got to run to him first of all for your salvation. As the apostle says, look to Christ. Confess him with your mouth as was uh, said earlier in the testimonies. And when you come to him, confessing him, believing in him, He saves you and then gives you the power. Let me end with an encouragement to us who are believers that you and I can be strong and we can stand because Christ has won the battle for us. I want to close with the words of Martin Luther back in 1527 to 1529, probably when he wrote this hymn, a very familiar hymn, And just look at the words. It's a mighty fortress is our God. He says this. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe, who's that? Satan. Does seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great. And armed with cruel hate, on earth is none his equal. But then he goes on. Did we in our own strength confide, our striving would be losing. Were not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing? You ask who that may be? Christ Jesus. It is he. Lord Saboeth his name from age to age the same. He must win the battle. Paul says, Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might stand. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this truth. 
once again, Father, we realize that there is an enemy warring against our souls, trying to defeat us. And Father, for some, that very well could be that he is darkening the gospel so that they will not come to Christ. And Father, I pray, perhaps there's someone here today that you just need to shine the light of the gospel into their hearts so that, Father, they would come to you. Would you do that, Lord? And then, Father, thank you. Thank you for Christ. Thank you, Lord, that he's defeated the enemy. And it's in him that we find our strength. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.